comes to minister the word. For those of you that are watching by Facebook or YouTube Live, we're here at 3025 South Westwood in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We invite you to come and be a part of what God is doing. God bless you now as pastor comes. Amen. Well, glory, glory, glory. Isn't God good? Zach's getting me into the 21st century here. So I'm going to see if I can do this. Well, let me go back here. Wouldn't you know, it was right when I thought I knew what I was doing. Well, Lord, somehow I got into something else. Well, praise the Lord. I can always open my Bible. That's where I need to be anyway. I do have backup notes. Zach's going to come and help me. Somehow I got all that in there. Oh. Hey, there was light. And the light was good. Pray for me. I'm getting surgery on August the 2nd for the right eye. And then the left eye is like about three weeks to a month later. And they said, and Sister Twy, hallelujah, there we go. Sister Twyla and I uh, had talked before. She's been diagnosed, and I was also diagnosed with Fuchs dystrophy, which is a swelling around the cornea. And so what that means is I'm not a candidate for the extra special lenses to be put on my eyes, which... They'll take the cataract out, put a new lens in. They do that with everybody. And then I'll have to wear reading glasses. So I'll have to look at everybody like this if I'm going to read. But I won't have to wear glasses to go to the store or something like that. And I'm very happy about that. Plus, I'll be able to see better, which means I'll actually be able to read the road signs now. Oh, I shouldn't have said that out loud. <laughs> anyway, I was just thinking that next Wednesday we should have a humdinger prayer meeting to kick off the pre-move uh, of God for the conference. And we'll have everybody take turns and we'll pray. Maybe one person pray for one speaker, another person pray for another speaker. We'll pray for those coming. I invited Jimmy Wagner today to bring all the guys, and he said he would. So, you know, you start getting people in, and there's an excitement that begins to build. And I believe we're going to see some really great things take place. And uh, we've been talking to different ones that are coming. There's, there's an excitement. Mike Johnson called me the other night and said they would be coming. And 
Of course, his dad is coming from North Carolina, and Uncle Louie. Uncle Louie is quite a character, I tell you. But, uh, and then Ellie is there, and Mildred, and they'll be bringing another couple with them. That is a professional, he's a professional counselor. But Eliezer wants to ordain him, and he wants me to lay hands on him when he's here. So I'm going to do that for him and bless him. And uh, it's uh, just a wonderful thing. Well, we had a good time. We went down to Smith Chapel, just on the other side of MacDougall, Arkansas. And so we're going to be... Uh, continuing to believe with them for a great move of God. They had uh, several out sick the Sunday before. And so while we were being sick, they were being sick also. And uh, anyhow, they made a fish fry while we were there. And they had a pan of chicken. I tell you what, if there was no fish, I could have been in chicken heaven. But they had this fried fish that they had caught out of the different rivers, and it was good. I saw Dennis, he was enjoying that fish and die, and Lucia, and they had baked beans and coleslaw. I didn't eat supper tonight, Pastor Jim. I'm just thinking about that fish right now, how good it was. But anyhow, we had a glorious time together. Brother Dennis, he saw some angels activated all around that church and that's always cool I'm jealous a little bit because he sees them and I don't I've seen a demon or two I don't especially glory in that not that I enjoyed it I did see the devil's face one day Lucia and I were staying in the Bowes farmhouse we rented it for a time and and that rascal, he looked right through the window, right at me. I was 27 years old. I told Lucia, I said, let's call Elsa and Ralph and tell them we're headed on over for some prayer time. But, you know, the devil is active. He's going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so, you know what? You have some enemies out there. You really do. But God is still on the throne. It doesn't matter how bad things look. You look up for your redemption draweth nigh. We're going to talk tonight about Ecclesia and loving the people of God, the people of faith, the people that are in our church family. I tell you what, I'm always excited to see everybody that comes to our church. You know why? They're our family. And when somebody leaves our church, it's like a divorce. It's painful. And uh, I want to talk about that just a little bit, but I'll tell you this right away. Proverbs 29 and 18 says that without vision, people perish, or without revelation, knowledge, people cast off restraint. That's the New King James. I like that. When people don't have a revelation of what God is going to do, then they, they're not restrained. They don't have boundaries. So they're just living this way, that way, going that direction, this direction, and they don't get involved in the family and the kingdom of God like they should. 
we need to have people that will get involved and participate in ministry. I see our whole children's ministry sitting back there on the same row. I tell you what, they love those kids. And we're thankful that they're a part of our church. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 14, that says, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. What city is he talking about? We're looking for a new Jerusalem, aren't we? Here there is no continuing city. There are archaeological digs all around the world of civilizations that have gone by the wayside. You go to Israel. Pastor Ken's been there. I've been there. Haven't been there in a while. I'm trying to remember what year that was that I went last, and I think it was like 2006. I knew it was either 06 or 07. Uncle Bob was still living. He was the host, and I was the co-host. And every time we would go back, I went five times with him, and we would see this one city that was being dug. And every time it was progressed further and further to where you could see more what it really looked like. I mean, they dug out the bathrooms in different areas, you know, where they literally had like urinals and toilets and that kind of thing in that old civilization. And it's quite amazing the technology that they had in mind even back then. But these cities, they go by the wayside. You know, one day, if things don't turn around, New York City, won't, they won't have to be the, worried about being the home of the Yankees because that city will eventually die if Jesus doesn't return or if there's not revival that comes to a place. So every place is a candidate for failure or it's a place that's a candidate for revival. But we're looking not for a city on earth. We're looking for the new Jerusalem that is to come, a place where our family will dwell and where the kingdom will be together. And so looking at some points here, I want to talk, first of all, Christians today go through divorce just like the world. The percentages are no different from what I've read. See, they disregard covenant. They don't include God in everything. Oh, you come and you have a ceremony up in front of the church, but a lot of people disregard that. And I mean, you know, it could be just a few months later and they're already in the divorce court. But you know what? If you're truly in covenant. Now, there are some reasons, grounds for divorce. And that's the second point I'll make. Adultery, abuse, and abandonment, they're all true biblical grounds for divorce. When there are issues, some people, it's out of your control what happened to your marriage because you had another partner in the equation that maybe did not keep covenant like they should, and they exited, and you were left in this legal conundrum where you're not 
married anymore, but you go through a divorce. I've heard that is more painful than somebody dying. You know, I used to, when I would counsel people that were having marital trouble, I would get two sheets of paper. I'd write one of their names on one. I'd write the other person's name on the other. Now I'd get some Elmer's glue out, and I'd squirt a little bit on there and slap those two sheets of paper together. And I would rub it real good and make sure it stuck real good. And I left it there, and I'd talk to them for a while. Then I said, oh, by the way, this is your marriage, and if you get divorced, this is what's left. And I ripped those sheets of paper apart, and they never came out whole. They were stuck here and there. And don't you know how it is? Because if you have children or if you have businesses, uh, you know, I could tell you stories. Dell Williams, when I did his remarriage, to Viv, you know, they had been divorced for a while, and he let her take the businesses that he had in Texas, and he kept the one in Missouri. But then when they were both free and clear, and she had gotten her act together and gotten right with God, then she came up, and right here in front of this church in the front with just a handful of witnesses, I did the wedding ceremony to reunite them in covenant agreement. They got their businesses back together. They got their lives back together. Their family, to some degree, was back together. You know, and what a joy it is when God can put somebody back together and restore what was lost. But it doesn't always happen. I'm looking at people today that have been through divorce in your life. And, you know, it's painful. It's not a pleasant situation. But a covenant is so important. If both parties are sold out and committed to God 100%, I don't know how on earth they can end up divorced. But when one starts getting ideas and thoughts uh, away from the marriage and the home and the family and then they wander away and get into stuff then that's where the damage is done and sometimes you can't you know help it it just happens how many know that's true how many have been through and overcome circumstances like that amen you can say amen or oh my goodness you know, either one but uh Number three point is this. The church is a covenant community where God desires to fit us together for a balanced function. We're not all the same. People love coming to the ministry school, and it's not because I'm the teacher. I teach a class or two here or there along the way, but mostly they come because Pastor Ken is such an extraordinary teacher. They enjoy those classes. Can I hear an amen? Many that are here tonight have been through the classes. That's a function that God has fitted him well into. There are others that have different functions. I think I hear my granddaughter coming in back there. She's upset because I'm already preaching. She just wants to see me. 
you know, is probably what it is. But anyway, I told Danielle, I said, I need to see my granddaughter. I'm having withdrawals because I hadn't seen her in a couple of weeks because all this sickness that went on. But the church is a covenant community. Everybody here fits. You have a purpose. Like I said, those three ladies back there that work with the children's ministry, they love the kids and the kids love them. And because of them, we have um, uh, an ability to minister to the whole family because of that. Now we have other ministries. Sister Virginia prophesies the word of the Lord. Brother Sherman, Brother Dave, they're always out and about. They count the money. They are the ushers. They, they, when we have our dinners, they're taking care of all kinds of stuff behind the scenes. They don't always get a lot of applause, but that's why I always try to bring their names up. Give them a little credit. We have Dennis on the, the computer tonight. We have Philip on the, the video uh, that's going out to, to our Heartland Christian Family Church page and to YouTube. Zach's back there. He's meditating or something. I don't know what he's doing, but anyway. He's the one that helped put all that together. And just different ones. Uh, isn't it great to see Nicholas singing on the stage? I mean, that is a real answer to prayer. When he was struggling and not really entering in as much, I had a vision of him leading worship one day. And so he did. He led in a song the other day, two weeks ago. I said, looky there. God still answers prayers. And, of course, my next prayer is that we'll see somebody else get up there and sing a little bit. Uh, the female persuasion. Get all my family going. Anyway, it's great. It's great to see people fit in. Have you noticed that Cherish, during the women's conference, Sister Virginia put her to work? She sat back there at that table and registered the different ladies that came to the conference. She might need to be back there for the CFFI conference. Since you did that so well, we might just have to put you to work some more. Caleb, he's good at giving high fives. How many's got a high five from Caleb before? Everybody's raising their hands. Yeah, I tell you what, he's getting better at te telling jokes too. He's been taking lessons from Pastor Ken, who had it come naturally from Uncle Bob, you know, the, the humor flow. I can never get the punchline too good. That's why if I just stumble into something that's funny, it's pretty good, you know. But I try to stay away from the regular jokes anymore. But the ecclesia, in Spanish it's iglesia, and in English, it's the church. And Jesus said in Matthew, he said, and upon this rock, this revelation, he told Peter, I'll build my church. I'll build the ecclesia, the ecclesia, and the, and the gates of hell, or Hades, will not stop it. You know, we'll... We'll be able to go right into the gate of hell where somebody's about to exit this world and maybe we'll snatch them like a brand out of the fire like the book of Jude says. 
says, some we can still save. Some are salvageable. I like it, that message about the piece of an heir or the leg of the lamb. You know, the shepherd saved those two little legs and a piece of an heir. God can put it back together. They talk about cloning people. Well, God's the best one at creating people and animals and everything else in this whole universe. But the ecclesia, which is supposed to be balanced, everybody has a role and they can do things. It's like a marriage that requires a covenant. What do we always say when we do a wedding ceremony? For better, for worse, rich or for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Well, I tell you what, I believe that when God sends you to a ministry, if you're really 100% tuned in and committed, you're probably not ever going to leave that ministry once you make a covenant with it. But I've seen many people leave for this reason or that, and sometimes I don't see them involved in a church anywhere anymore. And so it's not that great a situation. If they say, well, this is the United States of America, and we have a right to go wherever we want to. And you know what? They do. But it doesn't mean that it's right. I know there's people out here in this community that were part of this church. We even licensed and ordained people in the ministry, and they went off on their own little tangent. And I don't mind saying it. Maybe a couple of them are watching tonight. They should have never left. They should have stayed committed. There's my granddaughter. She's come to see Papa. Yeah. Well, I'll see you after church, baby girl. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I'll see you after church. She's upset. That's because she loves her Papa so much. At least I'd like to think that's the reason. But, you know, marriage requires a full commitment. Being committed in the kingdom of God requires a full commitment. And usually when God puts you somewhere, He puts you somewhere where you can function, where you can have a place and a position. You know, I've never figured out quite, you know, a lot of denominations, what do they do? They have a pastor that goes on their merry way and and they'll look at about 50 resumes and, and then they'll have two or three go to the top, they'll interview them, and then they think they'll listen to one of their sermons on a CD or whatever, and then they invite somebody to come and itinerate, they call it, to be voted on. And you know what? That's some of the biggest mistakes I've ever seen churches make sometimes, is that they vote on something that looks good, but it doesn't always work out. You ever go to a car lot and you like this snazzy red convertible and it's got the top down, it just looks so good. But then when it's wintertime, that convertible don't look so good anymore. And sometimes that's the way it is in church. You don't vote people in, you know. I know that some of the governments of churches are like that where they vote somebody in. Well, this isn't politics but 
they've treated the church like politics. When somebody comes, I came along not by myself either. Uh, Pastor Ken and Stephanie came alongside me with my wife, Lucia, our family, and we had been coming to the radio station. There's different ones that came that agreed with our philosophy and doctrine. And then we launched a church. I paid the first rent out of my own pocket. I sold my house. I made some good money off of it down in Florida. And we paid for the rental of the church out of our own bank account. But you know what? God honored that. And we developed a church. And we have our own house that we live in, so to speak, today. And it's important that you have a place that you fit and that you have a part in. And so that is very important. So number five, we must try to recognize and prioritize fruit over doctrine and denominations. And that's what we did because I used to be in a denomination. I was ordained in Louisiana. And when we moved to Florida, we went to a situation where it wasn't a denomination. They did have leadership that helped supervise. But then when we came here, it was like having a family. You give birth to a family. And as we raised up the family, then it's not a place that votes people in and out. You come and you serve, and God helps us find the slot for your life to be a part of it. And so we see different things. But it's all about bearing fruit, not just having doctrine. Anybody can have doctrine. The only problem is not all of it's accurate. You know, uh, I'm sure we have a little twitch or two here and there that, Somebody else wouldn't think so great in our doctrinal beliefs. But, you know, when I was listening to Sister Connie Dawson teach on that Sunday, she was teaching really down our alley what we believe. And that was so refreshing to find that there are others out there that agree. Matthew 7, verse 18 through 20, and I probably ought to get Pastor Ken to help me if his voice is up to it so that I'm not straining so hard until I get my surgery done. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Wow. You know, if you compare trees to people, if you're not bearing good fruit and you're off on a bad direction, you'll be thrown into the fire. You know, it's not just about saying a little prayer along the way. A lot of people can say something. They don't have to mean it. They don't have to believe it sincerely in the heart. If you really confess it and believe it and you mean it, then you're going to be committed. And you know what? You're going to bear some good fruit. You really are. And then in Colossians 1 and 27 is another good scripture. 
To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yes. So, you see, when you have Jesus Christ in you, then you have some promises, some riches. You know, every one of you helped make me rich in the spirit realm. Hopefully I'm helping make you rich in the spirit realm. Because all of us have giftings. All of us have abilities. And we contribute it together in the kingdom of God. And then good fruit comes. And I think that is awesome. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I've read that so many times, but go ahead, Pastor Ken. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. So you don't lean on what you think. So many people say, well, I think such and such. And I used to get a kick out of Sister Ella Bose. She'd say something and she'd say something. She'd say, well, this is what I, I such, such and such. She'd say, well, Kevin, what do you think? And I'm kind of like, I don't know if you want to know what I really think, Sister Ella, you know, uh, because I'm not necessarily going to agree with you on that, you know. Sometimes she had her own opinions about things. And those opinions, a lot of times, are based on cultural expressions, you know. And uh, so... I've tried my best to stick to the Word of God and the truth that's in that Word and that we don't just have a cultural expression because of the way the denomination floated along at some point or what their ideas were. The whole deal comes down to, are we bearing fruit? It's not just about what is belief. God has great plans for us. That's what those scriptures were talking about. He's got promises for us he's got glory to come into our lives for us amen we're going to have a glorious conference coming up next week it's going to be fabulous and we're going to have a great praise and worship time on thursday night with prophetic moving i'm going to invite those who are prophetic that have a word to step up and give a word there's not going to be no preaching I'm going to be the moderator, but it's not going to be a sermon Thursday night. It's going to be prophetic praise and worship. When somebody has something, they're going to come up. I'm going to recognize them, and they're going to give it. We're going to worship some more, and we're going to raucously praise the Lord. And then as the Lord wants, and people at the end want to come up and get prayer, I'm going to turn people loose up here that are part of our ministry that have that edge and that they can pray and prophesy over people, and that people will get a word from God. I'm assured of that. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And why is that? Because we prioritize order. What did the Bible say? Paul wrote, he said, Do everything decently and in order. You know, don't do something that makes you look like a crazy person. Now, sometimes we do something that we feel crazy in doing it. You know, like when I had an altar call and the Lord said, go in front of them and clap your hands. And I did that, and this one guy, boom, fell out in the spirit. He jumped up. He had a bandage all around his hand, Caleb, and 
he ripped that bandage off. It was on fire. And he looked, and he had had stitches across the palm of his hand from the doctor's office. When he ripped that bandage off, there were no stitches. There was no cut. It was smooth as a baby's behind. You know, it, it was perfect. That's what the power of God can do, see. And so we can prioritize. Now, that seemed crazy to clap my hands, but I was the leader, so it was okay. But anyway, sometimes people get out of order. And that's why if they come up to me, if you remember Sister Cookie, couple weeks ago came up and tugged at my arm and and she said I want to go get Nick's mic and I've got something to say I said well no you're not going to get Nick's mic I've got a mic right here and I'll let you use it at the appropriate time and so I waited a few minutes and they were worshiping kind of come down and then I said Cookie's got a word that she feels the Lord wants her to share and she did and it was a good word of encouragement but there was no need for her to go up and interrupt the ones on the stage and to get a microphone. I said, no, I've got a mic right here. But I see what she did. She came and asked permission. She tapped me on the arm. See. That's the way it needs to be. You don't want things out of order. And sometimes people do a crazy thing. Brother Summerall used to tell the story about when he first got baptized in the Holy Ghost in John Osteen's office, and he went back to Pensacola, and he shared his experience. Well, the, the Southern Baptist Church gave him the left foot of fellowship and encouraged him to go worship somewhere else. And so he did. And he ended up starting a storefront church. And these two ladies didn't get along. One was on this side of the building. One was on that side. And the one on that side got up and gave a prophetic word one Sunday. Said, and thus saith the Lord. You've got to be careful when you say, thus saith the Lord, because if it's not, I'm going to get out of your area because I don't want lightning to strike that close to me. So anyway, <laughs> when she got done, this lady that was contrary on this side jumped up and said, for I, the Lord, have changed my mind, and I would say such and such and so and so, thus says the Lord. He had to call those two ladies into his office and say, you two do not get up anymore. Because, first of all, that's not what God would have said, and God does not change his mind when he says it. So, anyway, what a trip. You know, but he, he told some good stories. Ephesians 1, verse 9 and 10 says, Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. Amen. I don't know what I did here. I've got to get used to this. I've got to, like I'm supposed to type something, but I'm not now. Anyway, I can scroll down and still see it. Anyway, the Lord, he is still trying to bring order and unity. And if you have order and unity, you watch. If we'll come in unity on Thursday, 
I don't care where those music. Zach's got friends that are musicians and some from the house here. They're all going to join together. Isaac will be here. And they're all going to be in unity when they sing and worship. And that's going to allow us to enter in and, and in an orderly way see the power of God released. It's going to be awesome. It really is. So anyhow, God, number seven, has intentions through Jesus Christ for a plan to do what brings unity and order until he returns. It's all about unity and order. If we come together in unity, if you remember in the book of Genesis, the Tower of Babel, they were building this tower that was going into the heavens, and God said, we've got to stop this. And so he changed all their languages and dispersed them to different areas. And that's when we ended up with all these different nations. And they spoke in different tongues. And guess what? Because he said, if we let them, they'll, they'll, they'll do well, they'll be able to do things because of their unity. There's a power in unity. Man, you get a ball team together that can play in unity. Brother Sherman, I'm sure you've seen a few basketball teams over the years. They didn't have the best talent, but they played as a team, and they were in unity. And because of that, they won. They had Papa Bluff went to the quarterfinals, or semifinals, I should say, of the state, what was it, four, class four, whatever, basketball championship up in Columbia. And they had four little guys and one guy that was five foot eleven. Ben Wyatt was five foot eleven. And then you had Hosey Moss, who was five foot ten. And you had Dennis Payne, Bruce Holloway, and Johnny Piper who were all five foot eight or five foot seven. And those five little short guys plus a few backups went to the sem or the, the what I say? Not semifinals. They were in the top four teams. And they lost to a team in St. Louis that everybody was taller than our tallest guy. You know. And they lost. But they were in such unity on that basketball court that they made it all the way to the state. I mean, almost to the state championship with nobody over six foot. That's quite a feat, I thought. So historically for that school's history, that's something else, I'm telling you. But it's unity. And when you're in unity together, you can accomplish much. And when you're in order, where the power of the Holy Spirit's released in such a way that people don't think it's bizarre and blasting off the walls, although I'll say this, if we have a Pensacola revival or a, Brown, or a Toronto blessing breakout, you're going to see some unusual things. I've seen unusual things. We had great revival in South Florida. We saw oil, you know, in, in Mexico, I'd see oil running out of people's hands down their arms, and I didn't put any oil on them when I touched their hands. So older ladies that did not wear makeup shake their head and have look like glitter 
come right out of their hair, but that was before they even had glitter makeup. I mean, I've seen some wild stuff, people laughing, holy laughter where they couldn't stop. It just broke out all over the auditorium. I've seen gold dust come down on all over, over 75 teenagers one Sunday night that fell in a service. I mean, anything can happen. And that's crazy, but, you know, if a place is ready for it, it's good. So get ready for it. Are you ready? Are you ready to see it? We're going to see it. Amen. But God has intentions through Jesus Christ, and he's got a plan to bring unity and order until he returns. He's going to come back one day, and he's coming back for what kind of church? A glorious church without spot or wrinkle. I mean, one that God has really worked in. I'm about to shout hallelujah. How about you? We look at Zechariah 3, verses 8 through 10. Another great scripture. Hear, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua. Upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of the, that land in one day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. Wow. Man, when Jesus Christ moves and when he returns, one day, it'll all be different. We better get on board today. You know, some resist peace, and the fullness of the coming kingdom on earth awaits the return of Jesus with the new heaven and the new earth. I mean, the, even the earth right now has birthing pains, you know, waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. And he's going to have it his way. I mean to tell you, if people come in and they'll stay and get involved and get with it, God will move in their lives like they've never dreamed he could move. I'm saying that with all my heart. I know it's true. I'm not just going to accept people being homosexual. I'm not just going to accept people being involved in other activities because God can deliver them out of all of those things. I was talking to somebody today about it. You know that Somebody in the family was struggling with it. And I said, look, Miriam Passmore, she became suicidal, and she didn't know her identity, and she came to church and came and the, to the altar, and the power of God put her on the floor, and I cast 13 demons out of her that day, and the last one was called the lesbian spirit. So what am I telling you? People need deliverance, and it's possible. I told this person, I said, there's deliverance coming for your family and your friends and your neighbors. And if they'll come in and we lay hands on them, they won't be able to get away from the power of God because deliverance is on the way. Why? Because Jesus is coming back soon. And that's why we have to have a move of God 
like we've never seen before because heaven and earth is going to join together as one. I tell you what, it's awesome, isn't it? And I don't know how to get out of this, but that's all right, I'm done. So I'm just going to click on something here. Something here is the power. Is it that? Is it this? Is it somewhere here? Top? Is that it? Okay, go off. All right, we're done because I turned off my notes. Well, stand with me tonight. I want you to know, don't get discouraged. Your family's coming. Sheila, your son's coming. Your nephew is coming. Oh, yeah, their friends are coming. I mean, they're coming. They're running. They're going to be running to the mercy seat. This revival's going to hit, and the floodwaters are going to be outside the banks. There will be no room in the house for what God is about to do, Caleb. You feel that fire? It's like a power right here. It's a glory. It's an anointing. Lord, just touch this young man right now. I pray in the name of Jesus. Let him experience the Holy Ghost like he's never experienced it before. Let him receive a touch from the hand of God, from Almighty God, and let him never be the same again in Jesus Christ's name. Hallelujah. Let it just tingle in his bones. Let it tingle in his belly. Let him get a word in his ear of what you have in store for him. There's a heat in your hand right now. You feel that heat? I do. Look at my hand. It's hot like a firecracker. Yeah. But Lord, isn't God great? He's good. Yeah. Glory. If you've got a family member you want to see come in to the move of God, just raise your hands like this. Father, we just surrender them into your hands right now. We surrender and we ask you to bring them. Put a hook in their jaw and bring them into the revival. Let them be changed in the midst of this. Let this conference be the beginning of an overflow. God, we had a great women's conference. Now let us go from faith to faith, glory to glory, and let the Holy Ghost anointing pour out. Lord, I know on Friday night when Garland speaks, there will be a bomb go off in this place of the Holy Ghost. It's going to touch people. Let it be powerful. And the rest of the weekend too as well. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, glory to God. Thank you for being here. Next Wednesday, let's come ready to pray it down. We're going to pray heaven down. Heaven came down and glory filled our souls.